Hello, hello, hello. My name is Ebony, and this is another DMT Expresso that 15 minutes or less on the topic that's trendy or trending and on my heart and mind. And well, today, this particular topic is on my mind, but also in the media uh, because it is quite controversial. Uh, I'm talking affirmative action. And yes, I know there's a lot to encompass affirmative action. And uh, so I want to jump into the legalese of it, um, not dive too deep into it, but kind of where we are with where the Supreme Court is going to be making some judgments on two separate cases that are uh, that are on the docket right now. So what is affirmative action? Um, I had to go to the Cornell Law School website to try to figure this out. So definition is a set of procedures designed to eliminate unlawful discrimination among applicants, remedy the results of such prior discrimination, and prevent such discrimination in the future. Um, this was originally uh, put into, existed in the President Kennedy's Executive Order 10-9-25-1961. Uh, and it says this, the contractor will take affirmative action to ensure that applicants are employed and that employees are treated during employment without regard to their race, creed, color, or national origin. Uh, so looking at this from the lens of government contractors, uh, this is basically putting into it that saying that uh, the enforcement is based on the federal government. Um, you must take affirmative action uh, to ensure that uh, there's programs in place so that uh, there's no discrimination. Uh, in 1989, you had a case called Richmond versus Cronson, uh, 488 U.S. 469. The Supreme Court held that strict scrutiny applies to state statutes, which set standards for affirmative action. So there, there's some precedence to this. Um, in general, uh, you know, employers who contract with the government or otherwise receive federal funds are required to document uh, affirmative action uh, practices. Um, and then this is, you know, uh, part of this remedy for affirmative action we saw under the Civil Rights uh, Act of 1964, and then subsequent kind of the add-ons. You've got the Title VII of Civil Rights Act of 1964, the Equal Pay Act of 1963. Uh, you've got Title uh, let's see, uh, Age Discrimination in Employment Act of 1967. Uh, you've got the Rehabilitation Act of 1973, Section 501 and 505, uh, Title I and Five of the Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990, and then the Civil Rights Act of 1991. Now, where a lot of these debates are really being had is in education. Um, so, for affirmative action, it says this, recipients of federal funds are required to document their affirmative action practices and metrics. Uh, educational institutions which have acted discriminatorily in the past must take affirmative action as a remedy. Um, in ways that, you know, this has happened, right, the anti-discrimination laws as, as far as education, you've got Title uh, six of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, Age Discrimination Act of 1975, Title IX of the Education Amendment of 1972, Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act of 1973, Title II of the Americas with Disabilities Act of 1990, the Boy Scouts of America Equal Access Act of, uh, this looks like 1965, and as amended by the No Child Left Behind Act of 2001. There's there's quite the list of um, Supreme Court decisions related to education, and uh, this is kind of the brunt of what we're seeing now uh, with uh, affirmative action. Um, some of these things, uh, affirmative actions have been upheld for over 48 years. Um, 
the last time this was kind of brought to the courts was Fisher, Fisher versus Texas, the University of Texas, 2006, uh, in which uh, under the top 10% law in which any student who graduated in top 10% of his or her uh, high school class would be granted admissions to the university. If an applicant was not in the top 10% of uh, his or her class, the university would create uh, an academic index and a personal achievement index for each student. Uh, with these different indexes, what the court ended up finding uh, was that race was a factor, a factor, a factor. Uh, one of those factors was still being had in the holistic, like uh, University of Texas holistic view, uh, holistic review of the person. Uh, and then it was narrow enough that it met strict scrutiny. So I had to really look at what was strict scrutiny. Now, you know, I kind of mentioned that at the very beginning. So this is, we're talking the Richmond versus Cronson case uh, and talking about uh, strict scrutiny. So what is strict scrutiny? Strict scrutiny is a form of judicial review that courts use to determine the constitutionality of certain laws. Strict scrutiny is often used by courts when a plaintiff sues the government for discrimination. To pass strict scrutiny, the legislator must have passed the law to further compelling government interests and must have narrowly tailored the law to achieve the interests. Strict scrutiny is the higher standard overview which a court will use to evaluate the constitutionality of governmental discrimination. The other two standards obviously are intermediate scrutiny and rational basis review. So how this certain schools have gotten past uh, these discrimination uh, cases is based on strict applying of strict scrutiny and how they are setting standards for admissions. Uh, and obviously this is a huge note uh, this year as the you know the 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 Supreme Court looks at uh, two cases uh, Harvard University and uh, UNC so let's take a let's take a further look um, at kind of these cases where they're coming from what and why I feel like this really important to talk about them now because uh, of what we're kind of seeing with certain dismantling of some of these long-held you know um, precedent laws that have things that have like these laws and these uh, things that have been installed uh, that have long time precedents but the question of is do they still hold a need for today so Let's talk about this a little bit. So we know that the Supreme Court has taken on some very weighty uh, arguments, uh, heard some very weighty arguments. We're talking about abortion. We're talking about guns. And now on here, uh, talking about the politically charged of um, affirmative action cases. Uh, I mean, we're talking about like 40 something years of precedent uh, asking whether race can ever play a role in admissions. And so... Again, thinking back to that definitions, thinking about uh, admission, you know, programs for, uh, you know, getting a subsection of people that were not, um, that were disenfranchised uh, to begin with, not given that same start. Uh, but this was over 40 years ago. So I know this is a real question that's being brought up, that's really being looked at. Um, and so let's take let's take a look at this so right now the particular cases that are being he heard right now um, was brought forward by uh, a group or a, a person um, known as the students for fair admissions um, in this you know this is an appeal uh, that um, 
no, noting the differences, uh, Harvard is a privatized schools and UNC is a state school. So uh, what's important about the, the Supreme Court really looking and hearing these particular cases is the fact that uh, you're really talking about uh, what's the difference between uh, state privatized and state programs and kind of where that line sits, especially with discrimination laws uh, uh, coming to the forefront. So the thing is, the court accepted both of these cases to be heard. Uh, you got public and private matters for affirmative action. Um, and the man behind these suits is a is a, a man by the name of Edward Blum. Uh, he's started this uh, conservative movement. And um, it's interesting to see that he's the driving force behind um, the opposing affirmative action. Uh, he's previously had some certain attack he's had prior attacks against um affirmative action uh and it was in that university of texas case in 2016 uh he's kind of retooled his strategy um you know taking aim at harvard and adding a new minority group uh asian american students uh that have been denied admission especially these high achieving asian american students uh and saying that they have been denied based on their race. Now, um, the particular case against Harvard is he's bringing a case uh, with uh, anonymous individuals, bringing statistics, uh, filing this lawsuit with his organization um, on behalf of these Asian students uh, under this under this organization of the Students for Fair Admissions. Um, it's interesting enough that uh, supposedly this has 20,000 members. Uh, I'm not sure how many of these members are actually Asian Americans, uh, but what's interesting to note are, are is that Edward Blum is a conservative uh, white male. Uh, and he's the director. He's the person that's bringing things to trial on behalf of minority groups uh, that minority, I, I would have thought that minorities would have brought this to themselves. Maybe they, they needed a, a victor. Um, now, what's interesting enough is that um, he's, he's using the very things that we love, right? Statistics, polls, uh, in getting across the the rhetoric now what's interesting enough is that uh, Asian American student organizations have opposed his particular position and uh, stating that he does not in fact speak on behalf of their group um, and that's that's very interesting uh, to, to note uh, so Eric Blum is, Eric, uh, excuse me, uh, Edward Blum is bringing these to court, uh, and the real question is the why. Um, so they're they're being we're being forced to really look at all these years of precedence, all these years of change, and I'm all for a need for change, uh, but. What's extremely important to me when you start looking at these two affirmative action cases, because there's a, there's a lot uh, surrounding affirmative action just beyond uh, what we're normally seeing. But 
how do you dismantle laws in general, especially something as big as uh, affirmative action and all the different bases of law that surrounding it under the discrimination laws, is to systematically break it break it down. Um, what we're seeing, um, like uh, prior to this, uh, er Edward Blum had spirit attacks on the 1965 Voting Rights Act, uh, culminating in a decision in Shelby County versus Holder that essentially gutted the law. So what are you seeing here? It's kind of the same premise. Um, you you start to attack and and dismantle some of the legs of a law, and it changes it completely. Um, and again, I'm not not saying for or against uh, affirmative action. I just so happen to probably be a triple threat of affirmative action or against affirmative action. Depends on who you speak to. Um, I'm a African American black female, black female, who's educated. Um, I'm not certain if I've ever had or or nobody's really told me if I've ever been a been a you know, a recipient of affirmative action throughout the years. And I've always, you know, and there's always, always the questions you kind of stick to, um, especially uh, with me growing up in the 80s and 90s. Um, interesting questions to be had. Uh, but um, I'm a person that you, you always revamp, you always relook. Um, it's interesting that affirmative action is back into the community, that the person bringing it up uh, before this this highly conservative Supreme Court is, in fact, um, someone that is not of the populations that uh, that they're trying to bring about the change for. And even more than that, it is a white male um, who is part of part of that predominant. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that piece. Um, maybe because the other times you, you get smarter, right, with age. Uh, so. I'm intrigued to see where this affirmative action, the affirmative action cases go. Uh, I would love to know your thoughts on um, Edward Blum, uh, the, the, I forgot the name of the organization, right? The Students for Fair Admission. Uh, what are your thoughts on these organizations? Uh, what do you think about the subpopulation that for affirmative action? Uh, what do you think about what's going on? Um, do you think affirmative action is still needed? Uh, it was. Should there have been the installing affirmative action if we had already gotten equality? Um, right. These are things under the Fourteenth Amendment that should be right. Uh, already rights that we have, but. For some reason, they needed to be spelled out in uh, other parts um, of law in order to be enforced. So the question is, are these are these still relevant? Do these still need to be enforceable things? Um, these are a lot of questions. There's a lot going on. And so I'm extremely interested to hear what you have to say. So as always, love discussion. Want to talk to you more. Sending peace, love, positivity, and good vibes. All right. Till next time, peace.